morning, Pee-wee. Look, Francis. Today is my birthday, and my father said I can have anything I want. Good for you and your father. So guess what I want? A new brain. No, your bike. <laughs> What's so funny, Pee-wee? It's not for sale, Francis. My father says everything's negotiable. Pee-wee. I wouldn't sell my bike for all the money in the world. Not for a hundred billion million trillion dollars. Then you're crazy. I know you are, but what am I? You're a nerd. I know you are, but what am I? You're an idiot. I know you are, but what am I? 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 Infinity. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that scene from Pee-wee's Big Adventure for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, is that not Hunter Biden? My dad says I can have anything I want, and I want your bike. My dad says everything's negotiable. Is that not Hunter Biden? But the real reason I, I used that clip and the reason I used the, the song Tequila is uh, we lost Paul Rubens this this week at age 70, the illustrious Pee Wee Herman. And uh, I just thought, hey, you know, it's summertime. Let's be a little light. Let's, uh, um, you know, parallel that to Hunter Biden. My dad said I could have anything I want. And I want your bike. Sorry. My dad says I can have anything I want. And I want $2 million a year for five years. Uh, and I don't have to do anything about it. Anyway. Anyway, so uh, we're going to talk about all the parallels of what's going on, all the things that we've been seeing, and the stuff that they're not even reporting on NBC, ABC, CBS, PMS, NBC, CNN, or anything that has anything to do with uh, the media, um, with the exception of conservative uh, conservative channels like Newsmax and uh, Fox News and uh, you know conservative websites. And uh, if you if you don't subscribe to those, if you're not paying attention, then you have no idea what went down this week other than Trump got indicted for the third time, you know, on the 78th, 78th uh, um, charge of of just B.S. And I love what Trump said. He said, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm being arrested for you, America. And so uh, which I completely believe. But we're going to talk about talk about everything that happened this week, what it means, and I'm going to dial it all in for you in nauseatingly uh, detailed timeline, so that just in case you're not paying attention, 
this is going to cement it all in. So you say, hey, your friend, I got a Democrat friend and he doesn't, he doesn't, he thinks this Hunter Biden thing is, is nothing. It trumps the bad guy. Give him a copy of this show. Listen to it in detail. You might want to listen to it twice or take notes on it. I know you're not going to take notes the first time, but you might want to the second time. So you're prepared when you have to have a, uh, a toe-to-toe battle, a battle of wits with an unarmed Democrat. You'll have, uh, have all your... Uh, have all your ducks in a row. So anyway, before I do, let me introduce myself quickly because I got a lot to cover in an hour. Uh, my name's Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. I've seen people... People that listen to my radio, hey, I listen to your radio show all the time, and I love it. Um, I really want to talk to you about something. And I say, well, call me. Well, what's your phone number? Really? You listen to me all the time? 855-640-2020. All right. And uh, if you don't want to, if you want to talk about real estate or finance, but you don't want to talk on the talk on the phone just yet, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo. Put in as much information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. And we are going to put together a puzzle today using that using that word is a, is a perfect, perfect uh, description of what we're putting together today. Um, if you missed any part of the show or you want to repeat it and take notes, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net. Just go to the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the uh, podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcast, that purple uh, balloon-looking thing that's on, on your phone that says podcast. Go there and just click and just search Ed Hoffman. Search the main event. Search Ed Hoffman, the main event. I noticed that uh, people are uh, putting in Ed Hoffman, and it pops right up now. So I guess there's lots of people subscribing. And uh, then once a week when I, I record on Friday mornings, it'll pop up on uh we upload it on Friday afternoon, and it'll download to your device on uh, shortly thereafter. And, uh, of course, um, I'll be recording early next week because this time next year week I'll be heading to Europe for uh, for two weeks. And uh, I'll be on vacation, and I promise my wife I won't be working. Not very much. So anyway, uh, Scott McAfee will be sitting in for me those two weeks. Uh, next week I'll still be here, and next week I'll have uh, be interviewing Chad Bianco, the uh, super sheriff of Riverside County. Uh, we'll have lots to talk about there, and it'll be very interesting. So anyway, um, if you have any comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Let's get to what's going on this week because there's a lot to get through. I got lots and lots and lots of notes. So uh, Hunter Biden's business partner and former friend, former friend before uh, you know the Bidens abandoned him and let him get uh, sent to jail, um, his former friend Devin Archer testified before the House Oversight Committee this week. If you've been paying attention, you already knew that. But we're going to go way deeper here. I want to establish a timeline of events starting with the beginning of Hunter's foreign activities and concluding this week with Trump's uh, third federal indictment. Let's start here. In over four hours of closed-door testimony, Devin Archer told the Oversight Committee that he could recall at least 20 times when he and Hunter were having dinner with foreign business associates and Hunter would intentionally get his father, Vice President Joe Biden, on the phone. This was not just on the phone. 
At least 20 times we, we know of Hunter Biden deliberately put Joe on the speakerphone. Even the mainstream media like Washington Post is reporting that uh, Archer used the word speakerphone in his testimony. And from the Washington Post, Biden was Biden was on speakerphone when son Hunter was with business associates, former partner testifies. Lawmakers from both parties say Devin Archer testified that the president spoke to Hunter Biden while the son was with business associates about 20 times over 10 years. Which I'll point out, 10 years ago, so this all started in 2014, and of course today is 2023. So in nearly a decade, but remember this stuff was all compacted didn't, it all kind of came to an end when Joe Biden, part of it came to an end when Joe Biden was no longer vice president, and uh, the rest of it had to start coming to an end as Joe Biden ran for president because there's a little bit of a conflict. So keep that in mind. Democrats are spinning this as if 20 times over 10 years means this didn't happen very often. Well, Hunter was getting millions of dollars for each of these deals with foreign entities. He didn't need to do it very often. One or two calls a year where he puts the pop on the speakerphone and he's set. So that's what he did. The fact was only 20 times in 10 years implicates Biden's more, not less. And that could have been, hey, he talked to uh, to Joe Biden, got on the speakerphone with these guys, you know, five times over a week. And then he didn't need to be on the phone anymore because they knew Joe Biden was uh, backing up Hunter and Devin Archer. Um, and then he didn't get on for another few years. And then he did it five times in another week. You know, you got to be really involved in the beginning to put a deal together, and then the deal just goes. So uh, then on Wednesday, we got to hear this from Devin Archer himself in a sit-down with Tucker Carlson on Twitter. It's been reported, and you have said that there were occasions when uh, Joe Biden would call in with clients present on a speakerphone. Right. How, how many times do you think that happened? I mean, over a 10-year partnership, I would, uh, you know, the number I'm going with is 20. That's probably the the, the amount that I so kind of record. Yeah, a lot, you could say. So Joe Biden, who is very much a product of Washington, of course, must have known that he was calling in to effectively a business meeting that his son was having. I mean, he must have understood that that, that was kind of what his son was selling. Well, that's, I mean, it's hard for me to speculate on that. <laughs> but like, I guess my question, just to keep it to the facts, Joe Biden, then the sitting vice president, knew that there were Hunter's business associates in the room. Yeah, I think I can I can definitively say at particular dinners or meetings, he knew there were business associates and he, you know, we, or if I was there, I was a business associate too. To be, you know, completely clear on the calls, I don't know if it was an orchestrated call in or not. It certainly was powerful though, because, you know, if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. So my son Ryan got in the mortgage business, I don't know, 15 years ago. I've been in the business since 1990. So when he finally actually got in, he tried to uh, not involve me as much because he didn't want to say that he rode my coattails. But occasionally he might want to impress a client or he might want to get my opinion on a scenario. And he'd either call me with, with people in front of him or, he would, uh, or I'd, he'd say, hey, call me at this time. But I would know exactly what I was doing. I'd say, hey. Hey, I need to I need to have you call in call in and talk with my clients in front of me. Who are they? What are you doing? What's the what's the scenario? You know, I wouldn't ever call in without knowing exactly what I was calling into or what he was calling me for. And of course, if I ever called him during while well, he's having a business meeting, here's how it would go. Hey Dad, I'm with clients. Can I call you back? Sure. All right, call me back. 
That's how normal people do business. That's how personal calls between fathers and sons go when it's not business. So from the transcript of Archer's testimony, Archer, it's quite obvious what we were talking about. No, I'm sorry. Uh, from the transcript of Archer's testimony, Archer, it's quite obvious what we're talking uh, talking around. Congressman Andy Biggs says, so what are we talking about? Are you talking around it? You're talking around it. And so I'd like to get out what we are talking about here. Archer says that I think at the end of the day, part of what part of what was delivered is the brand. I mean, it's like anything. You know, if you're Jamie Dimon's son or any CEO, you know, I uh, I think that's about what we're talking about, is that there was a brand being delivered along with other capabilities and reach. I hone in on the last part of his sentence where he said, the brand being delivered along with other capabilities and reach. What did he mean by that? Other capabilities and reach. To me, it sounds like he's involved and involving his, his connection. So, so this makes what Dan Goldman said earlier this week really look stupid. Goldman is a Democrat on the Oversight Committee who was also the lead attorney in Trump's impeachment. He obviously didn't think the public was going to have the opportunity to hear from Devin Archer directly, so he had no problem spinning Archer's testimony on Monday. It was abundantly clear, and the witness stated unequivocally that he there was there is no evidence in his possession or his knowledge that Joe Biden ever discussed business with Hunter Biden. Joe Biden ever did anything on behalf of Hunter Biden's business interests or otherwise. Never changed official policy in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, the only evidence that we have is to the contrary. He did describe that there were a, a, approximately 20 occasions over the course of their uh, nearly decade-long business relationship where when one of them called the other um, that Hunter Biden would uh, ask his father to say hello to whomever he was at dinner. He said there were sometimes when it was friends and sometimes when it was uh, potential business partners or business partners. But the witness was unequivocal and stated very clearly that they never discussed any business on that phone conversations. There were niceties and there was a hello and there we talked about the weather or whatever it was, but it was never any business. Clearly he talked whether about the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them. Doesn't this contradict? He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, well, is he supposed to say, hi, son? Oh, no, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. So consider this one more time, that this all started about April 2014, and Joe Biden ceased to be vice president in January of 2017, so just under three years. So if you say, hey, he talked, we talked uh, 20 times with business associates over the course of uh, two years and nine months, does that make any different? I don't, I don't think it does or doesn't, but they're trying to spin it to their advantage. So that's the perfect example of, of an arrogant Democrat who thinks the American people are stupid. He thinks you're stupid. Well, I will probably agree with him when it comes to Democrats. 
But we're paying attention. We're not stupid. Let's hear from the witness himself. Here's more from Devin Archer with Tucker. You've got a lot of kids. You're close to them. Do you call them on speaker during business meetings? Um, do I call? <laughs> I mean, what is that? A grown man calling his dad on a speakerphone during a business right. meeting. Right, and to be clear, sometimes it was the call was coming in and the speaker would go on. So it was, it's just the presence. You have to be, I mean, you're, you, you understand DC, right? So the power to have that access and that conversation, and it's not in a scheduled conference call and it's a part of your family, that's, that's like the pinnacle of, uh, of power in DC. A hundred percent. I guess I'm pivoting against the lie that I'm hearing people tell with a straight face, Congressman Goldman, for example, that we don't really know what was going on. Really? You're taking a call from the vice president and you put it on speaker. It's not just, hey dad, I'm in a meeting with some buddies. Right. It's, let me, let me put my dad, the vice president on speaker. Yeah, yep, in the, in the rear view, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an abuse of soft power, I'd say. Yeah, it's an abuse of soft power. I'm not sure really what that means, but it doesn't sound good for Joe Biden and his story. So let's establish a timeline. In 2009, Hunter formed Rosemont Seneca Partners with Devin Archer and John Kerry's stepson, Christopher Hines. If you listen to the full interview, Archer repeatedly says that his goal for the partnership with Hunter was to merge a government advisory business with private equity. I wonder if you can have a business like that without one of the partners being the son of the vice president. Probably not. Tucker asked Devin Archer about a personal letter Archer received from Joe Biden in January 2011. If you watch the inter- if you watch the interview, uh, you see it's typed up on White House letterhead and it's and with the handwritten message at the bottom. Listen closely. This is from the Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden, to you personally, and it's personalized here at the bottom. Devin Archer, Rosemont Seneca Partners, that was your partnership with Hunter Biden in yes. Georgetown. Dear Devin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President Who. Jinteng, who's yes. running China at that point. I hope I get a chance to see you again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed lunch. Thanks for coming. Sincerely, Joseph R. Biden Jr. P.S. Handwritten, happy you guys are together. So there are many levels here. But here's the Vice President of the United States saying to you, a man in his mid-30s, who's not a government official, I'm sorry I was occupied with the guy who runs the world's largest country. I would much rather talk to you and thank you. What was he thanking you for? Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's a lovely letter and it was... (laughs) (laughs) It's quite enthusiastic. It's a little weird though, right? Yeah, well, it was, listen, it was was kind of the beginning of our partnership and he was thanking me and thanking Hunter, I think, at the end of the day for bringing this idea of this government regulatory strategic advisory business into the private equity world. And I think he was excited about the prospects for Hunter. And, um, you know, he was uh, just just thanking me. I think it was a nice gesture. But he's a vice president of the United States, right. and he's talking about foreign business deals with you and thanking you for right. that. I think, again, it, it goes back to my other, earlier point in, in, yeah, I think I hit, at the time, I think I hit the jackpot in finding the regulatory environment or company that can navigate right to the top. But, you know, obviously as time was, told, you know, being a little bit too close to the sun ends up burning you. For sure. This is not a criticism of you. I would think as a business guy, um, you use every advantage. These are not business guys. This is the vice president of the United States. He's not allowed to be working on businesses with foreign governments while he's vice president. I don't think. Not that I know of. (laughs) 
but here he is. Right. Amazing. Now, does that sound like a witness who testified that Joe Biden never talked about business with his son? Use your logically thinking brain. And let me uh, dissect one little one little sentence. He was happy that we took a government regulatory strategic advisory business into private equity. What does that mean? Government regulatory strategic advisory. Government regulatory. So government regulatory strategic advisory. Wouldn't that be something that the private sector does to advise governments, uh, government people as to, you know, how you should do this strategically? Um, but he brought it into private equity. What does that mean? That means he gets to get paid for it. Except for if you compare that to what we the the movie clip I used last week with uh, uh, with Howard Hughes testifying that hey we wine and dine military military officials to get the big contracts on airplanes so that the corporations can make a profit on those on those uh, on those uh, connections with those big contracts. In this case, now we got the government official making the profit. By helping the contractor. Do you see some a problem here yet? So after hearing from Devin Archer, it makes everything Dan Goldman has said this week sound infinitely more ridiculous. Here's Goldman trying to guilt us into believing that Hunter was putting his dad on the speakerphone in front of foreign business associates to discuss their shared grief over Bo Biden's death. Unbelievable. And I think it's really important to remember that during this time period that we're talking about here, Bo Biden, Hunter Biden's brother and President Biden's son, became very ill with cancer and died. That was in the spring of 2015. And the witness described in vivid detail about how devastating that was to both Hunter Biden and to Joe Biden and how their communications picked up dramatically in the aftermath because Joe Biden was calling his son to check on him and Hunter Biden was calling his dad to check on him. It had nothing to do with business and that is the sum and substance of what the testimony was. Oh, my God, that's such BS. Hunter was so devastated, he needed to stay in constant communication with his dad. But even closer than that, he needed to stay in constant communication with Bo's wife, Haley, so he could have sex with her. He was so devastated. He still was uh, had his conscious mind going, hey, I could bed down my brother's uh, wife now that he's gone. One more from Dan Goldman before we move into the timeline of the evidence. So then the question becomes... How much longer are we going to go on this fishing expedition? There is no evidence connecting President Biden to anything related to Hunter Biden. We have been told by the Republicans repeatedly that this is an investigation to Joe Biden. There is no evidence that connects Joe Biden to any of this. No, there is no evidence at all. This is a narrative that all the Democrats and most of the media are telling right now. There's no evidence. There was nothing here. This was a big nothing burger. So Goldman says there's no evidence. Let's continue the timeline. So we're going to merge what we know about Devin Archer's testimony with what we know was on the, the 1023 form from the confidential FBI informant with what we know from multiple Republican-led committees investigating this with years of credible reporting on Hunter Biden's foreign business activities and how it all points directly to Joe Biden. So, uh, and Justin, Justin, let me just insert here, you know, at 
all this happened while Barack Hussein Obama was the president. And you don't think he knew what was going on? And you don't think there's any coincidence by the fact that uh, that uh, Obama had a private lunch with uh, Joe this week while he's on vacation in Delaware? He had a private lunch with Joe. But somebody leaked that private lunch that he was telling him to beware of Trump, that Trump's a powerful guy, and Biden may not, may not be in a great position. Just keep that in mind. Okay, I'm going to take a break for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and we will come back with the whole timeline from the very beginning up until this week. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance on the radio, especially not this week because I don't have time because I got a lot to cover. But just in case you're in the market, you need to talk about uh, possibly rearranging your debt on your real estate, or you maybe want to get rid of it uh, with a reverse mortgage, if you want to re- refinance or purchase, uh, call me toll-free 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll do the cyber thing. So uh, we're talking about the timeline on Hunter Biden, what we know about Hunter and Joe from all the different sources, from uh, Devin Archer's testimony this week, from the 1023 form from the FBI informant, with what we know from multiple Republican-led committees investigating this, and the years of credible reporting on Hunter Biden's uh, foreign business activities and how it all directly points to Joe Biden. So, and this is all on the congressional record, by the way. So let's start. February 2014. The Ukrainian, and take notes of this, because I'm going to try and navigate this, but it's got a lot of dates. So February 14, 2014, the Ukrainian Revolution protests take place. President Viktor Yanukovych is ousted from Ukraine. The head of the parliament will act as the president until May when Petro Poroshenko will win the election and become the new president. February 14th of 2014, that same month. Rosemont Seneca receives a wire transfer of $3.5 million from Yelena Batarina, the corrupt wife of the former mayor of Moscow. What was Hunter and Devin Archer's business with her? Why did she send Hunter and Devin Archer's company $3.5 million? That's still a shrouded mystery, but it's pretty suspect that it happened the same month as the uprising to oust the president of Ukraine. So remember... Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union, and Russia wants them back, always has. Which brings us to the email exchange two, two months later, April of 2014. Hunter Biden and Devin Archer begin discussing a mysterious business dealing involving Batarina. Archer writes in an email that Batarina confirmed green light to fund deposit. So more money after the initial $3.5 million. Two months later, hey, there's a green light to fund the deposit. His email continued, just spent two hours on the phone with Kiev. I'm confident at this point this is a good, if not life-changing deal if Ukraine doesn't collapse in the meantime. Hmm. So another thing that you can tie together with the current war between Ukraine and, and Russia and why we're so interested in it and why the United States, under the direction of Joe Biden, has, has uh, sent so much money in uh, in cash and and weapons there and why he's he's basically given them a blank check 
we're gonna we're gonna fund it out all the way, even though we're given more than twice what all the countries in the same neighborhood have given. Now, sometime during this time frame, there's a dinner at Cafe Milano in D.C. There were actually two dinners at Cafe Milano, but this is the first one. This is a restaurant that markets itself with the catchphrase, where the world's most powerful people go. Ooh. We, know, we don't know the exact date of the dinner. Archer testified that it was in spring of 2014. It could have been February, March, or April, Archer testified. I believe it was a birthday dinner. Well, Hunter Biden's birthday is in February, so that would put it right around the same time that they got $3.5 million from Yelena Batarina. Archer testified that Batarina was there, along with two associates from Kazakhstan, and yes, Hunter Biden's father, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. From the transcript of the testimony. Question. The duration of time that Joe Biden stayed there. You said you couldn't recall, but do you recall whether he had dinner or not? Hunter, or Archer, Devin Archer says, he had dinner. Yeah, I recall that he had dinner. It was not a long dinner, but dinner. Question. And so this dinner takes place in spring of 2014, approximately. But then do you recall getting a wire on February 14th of 2014? From Yelena Batarina for $3.5 million to Rosemont Seneca? Devin Archer says, yes. Hmm. This, this is tying everything together. Archer's trying to not be exact so he doesn't pin anybody down, but it just seems coincidental. Fast forward two months to April 16th of 2014. Then Vice President Joe Biden meets with Devin Archer at the White House. Not Devin Archer and Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden didn't go by to visit his, his dad and actually have Hunter Biden with him. But Devin Archer went to meet with Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. at the White House. Let that sink in. Joe Biden met with his son's business partner at the White House while he was vice president and has spent the last several years yelling at us that he knew nothing about his son's foreign business dealings. Are you seeing a pattern here? Are you seeing... The, the dots starting to connect. Five days later, April 21st, Joe Biden visits Ukraine. In a show of support for the country's government amid rising tensions with Russia, he makes a speech about the cancer of corruption in the country and urges them to clean it up. Our media describes him as the public face of the Obama administration's handling of Ukraine. Yeah, he's making a, he's making a speech about the cancer of corruption. Can you say the pot calling the kettle black? Okay, so the next day, April 22nd, Devin Archer joins the board of Burisma. What a coincidence. Joe Biden has a meeting with Devin Archer. Five days later, he's in Ukraine. You know what? I can't imagine that that's a quick, hey, hey, by the way, let's stop by Ukraine on the way to the office next week one day and have lunch with somebody. You know, it's not, not like just a quick stop on the way to the office. So he flies to Ukraine, and the very next day, Devin Archer joins the board of Burisma. Six days later, April 28th, British officials conducting money laundering investigation seized $23 million from a London bank account of Burisma's corrupt owner, Mykola Zlochevsky. The British fraud investigators start working with the Ukrainian prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, to go after Zlochevsky. So the guys in Great Britain see there's, see there's fraudulent stuff happening. Maybe they had a suspicious activity report over there. And they start working with the prosecutor, Victor Shokin, to go after the guy who runs the company 
that just put Devin Archer on the board of directors right after Joe Biden went over there. And three weeks later, they're going to add another board of directors. Soon after that, Shokin seized four of Zlochevsky's homes, two plots of land, and a Rolls Royce. No wonder Zlochevsky wanted this guy gone. So remember, this is the head of Burisma, not a government guy. The head of this gas company wants Victor Shokin gone because he's taken all Zlochevsky's stuff. Three weeks later, May 13th, now Hunter Biden joins the board of Burisma. Another coincidence. Now they're both getting $83,000 a month from Burisma. Archer testified the money was deposited into Rosemont Seneca's account, and there would be two separate deposits, one for each of them. $83,000 a month is a million dollars a year. And there's two of them every single month. So that's $2 million a year Burisma's paying to these two guys to do what? I don't know. Three weeks later, June 7th, 2014, Joe Biden goes back to Ukraine to attend the inauguration of Petro Poroshenko. He's going there a lot now. He's never tried to hide it. In fact, he bragged about it last month when he met with Zelensky at NATO. Now let's jump ahead about six months to early 2015. This is direct from the Senate Homeland Security Committee report called Hunter Biden, Burisma and Corruption, the Impact on U.S. Policy and Related Concerns. In early 2015, the former acting deputy chief of mission at the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, George Kent, raised concerns to officials in Vice President Joe Biden's office about the perception of a conflict of interest with respect to Hunter Biden's role on Burisma's board. Kent concerns went, one, went unaddressed. Of course they did. Biden didn't want to mess with the company that's given, uh, given him and his, and his team $2 million a year, so why would he address that? Okay, so that was early 2015. Okay, March 26, 2015. At this point, Hunter and Devin Archer have been on Burisma's board for almost a year. Once again, Yelena Batarina enters the picture. Hunter once again invites her and several other guests to a dinner number two at Cafe Milano in D.C., the place where powerful people go. This time, it's not a birthday dinner. There are several Russian, Ukrainian, and Kazakhstani associates of Hunter's invited, 14 guests total. We know Batarina and her next husband, not the Moscow mayor, but the man she married after he died, were, were the Russian associates. There were three Kazakhstani officials invited. We know one of them was Mark Holtzman, who was chairman of Kazakhstan's largest bank, Kaz Kolmert's Bank. See if I pronounce that right. And of course, there were guests from Burisma. One of them was Vadim Pozarsky, the Burisma executive who will eventually start pushing Hunter to enlist his dad's help in getting Shokin off Zlochevsky's back. Hunter emails his guest a cover story that he's holding a dinner as part of his role on the World Food Program board, another board where he has no business being on. Hunter writes, Okay, the reason for the dinner ostensibly is to discuss food security. He throws three World Food Program representatives onto the guest list as part of the charade. So when he says, the, re the reason for the dinner ostensibly to discuss food security means, means ostensibly we want it to look like that. The reason for this dinner, for anybody who asks, is to discuss food security. In reality, the true purpose of the dinner was to in introduce his father to his business associates. Really? Joe Biden meeting business associates? 
That can't be right, because Joe Biden says he's never talked to anybody about his business. Well, I guess Joe Biden was lying. In the emails to Devin Archer, Hunter writes about inviting my guy, which is code he repeatedly uses for his father. He also references someone called your guy to Archer. Archer's guy may or may not be the Secretary of State, John Kerry. We don't know that, and that's just speculation. There's no mention of John Kerry in the testimony's transcript. We know that Christopher Hines dropped out of Rosemont Seneca sometime in 2014 because he didn't like what Hunter and Devin were up to. Hines' spokesman later said, The lack of judgment in this matter was a major catalyst for Mr. Hines ending his business relationship with Mr. Archer and Mr. Biden. Wow, someone with an actual brain involved here that said, Hey, I don't think I want to be connected to this. I'm out. Sounds like a, a scene from Shark Tank. So Hunter Biden eventually writes to Archer, Dad will be there, but keep that between us for now. Remember, all this is on the laptop. We don't know what was discussed at the dinner, but we know what the email said about it. So we don't have, we don't know exactly what was said. Nobody said what was discussed at the dinner. But April 16th, 2015, the dinner takes place. We know Joe was in attendance because the next day, Hunter gets an email from Burisma executive Pazarski. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me the opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. It's really an honor and a pleasure. Well, if that doesn't connect the dots right there, here's one of Hunter's business associates saying that he had the opportunity to meet Joe Biden and spend some time together. Wow. No wonder Biden's in took a 10-day vacation to Delaware to sit on the beach and be away from reporters because he doesn't know how to answer this yet. We're going to take some time to to spin the media and get people to stop talking. I would suggest when he comes back from vacation, the reporters are still going to be asking him, hey, uh, Mr. President, what about that meeting with the guy from from Burisma that he said that he had time to time to spend some time with you and got to meet with you at this dinner uh 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 uh, no i never talked to him remember this is while burisma was paying hunter and devin archer eighty three thousand dollars a month to sit on the board this access to the vice president was the biden brand burisma was paying hunter for you know why would the vp why would the vice president of the united states attend a dinner about food security that doesn't even make sense From the testimony transcript, Mr. Archer, my only thought is that I think Burisma would have gone out of business if we didn't, if, if it didn't have the brand attached to it. That's my like only honest opinion. It was, it was able to survive as long as it did just because of the brand, the Biden brand, because people would be intimidated to mess with them. Really? If that's not a smoking gun, I don't know what is. There's been no evidence. There's no evidence connecting Joe Biden. I think that's what they call a smoking gun. You know, someone who's directly involved that said that. November 7th, 2015, six months later, um, Joe Biden returns to Ukraine to meet with Poroshenko and deliver yet another speech about cleaning up corruption. Great job, Joe. Very effective. That's, we can, we, and we can see now, we could see now, uh, eight years later, how effective that was. Yeah, we can. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. That's what they mean by that. Hey, you know what? It's like uh, uh, when they're predicting that the world is going to explode. 
Uh, if we don't fix climate change and we're only going to last 12 years, well, I guess we'll know in about eight or nine years uh, when we're still here that that was BS. Okay, December 4th, a month later, uh, there's a Brisma board meeting in Dubai. Hunter and Devin Archer attend the meeting and go with the executives for dinner and coffee after. Archer's testimony implies that this is when the pressure to get Shokin off Zlochevsky's back intensified. From the transcript, it was like whack-a-mole in regards to the pressures that that had to resolve. It was high-pressure environment, and there was constant requests for help. From the transcript, the committee asked, what did Hunter do after he was given that request? Archer replied, listen, I did not hear the phone call, but he he called his dad. Here's Jim Jordan on that. This illusion of access. They're having a board meeting in Dubai on December 4th, 2015. After the board meeting, Hunter Biden meets with Devin Archer, Zolachevsky, and Pizarski, the two key guys who run Burisma. They meet for drinks. During that meeting, they say, we need the U.S. government to intervene. We're under pressure from the prosecutor. We're facing pressure in Great Britain because they've sanctioned and seized our assets, 23 million pounds, $23 million in Britain. We need some help. They make a phone call to D.C. Mr. Archer, I don't know who they call, but they call D.C. And five days later, December 9th, 2015, Joe Biden is in Ukraine and he gives a speech starting the pressure on the prosecutor in Ukraine. Five days after that meeting, five days after a phone call to D.C., five days where they used the Biden brand, according to what we learned today, the Biden brand was the value Hunter Biden brought to this business arrangement. The brand was totally Joe Biden, the guy with the power and the connections in D.C. But five days after that, this this conversation uh, takes place, this speech takes place. And then a few months later, Shokin gets fired. So as Jim Jordan said, Biden visits Ukraine again makes another pointless speech about cleaning up corruption and threatens to withhold the $1 billion in loan guarantees for Ukraine previously approved by Congress unless Shokin is fired. So Congress didn't approve it unless Shokin is fired. That was the Biden part in there. Congress approved the $1, million, $1 billion in loan guarantees. Biden went over there and said, hey, you're not getting it unless Shokin is fired. Here's James Comer on Archer's testimony along with extended cut of Biden's infamous 2018 remarks about the about getting Shokin fired. He also said that Hunter Biden was under immense pressure while they both served on the Burisma board to call Washington, D.C. immediately and try to get Shokin fired. That's the Ukrainian prosecutor. And not many days later, Joe Biden traveled to Ukraine, and we've all seen the video. Had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "Nah." I said, "I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said, call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. The evidence continues to mount. He knew exactly who his son was getting those millions and millions of dollars of wires from. And he spoke to them, and he spoke to them often. Oh, my God. Is this an abuse of power? Conflict of interest? Is uh, this uh, Biden selling out our country for his own personal benefit? Remember, that $1 billion was not Biden's money. It was our taxpayer money. And he wanted to make sure that he was still getting money into his account. And he used our money to make it happen. 
Okay, January 16, 2017, Biden makes his final speech as vice president to Ukraine's parliament. Four days before leaving office, he urges Poroshenko to make the difficult choices to put Ukraine first and promises the American people will stand with you. Near the end of his speech, Biden says, this next year is going to be very, very telling year, a very telling year. Why is that? Because Trump is, is coming into power. And uh, if he if he really he may really screw things up if he starts asking the wrong questions. Joe Biden then spends the next few years as a private citizen, as the White House reminds us often. But we know that from Devin Archer's testimony this week that Joe continued to calling in to Hunter Biden's business dinners so that associates could hear his voice on the speakerphone. You know, to discuss the weather and niceties and how much they really both miss Bo. And of course, in Hunter's case, how much he really missed Haley by now. Jumping ahead to June 2020, an FBI 1023 form is filed detailing confidential informants' conversations with Zlochevsky of Burisma. The informant... Who, who the FBI has reliably used as source for many years, met with Zlochevsky four times starting in 2015. The informant told the FBI that one of those meetings in 2016 at a coffee shop in Vienna, Zlochevsky said it cost $5 million to pay one Biden and $5 million to pay another Biden. Hmm, I wonder who those two Bidens are, are uh, he's talking about. Uh, I guess $10 million seems to be the 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 uh, the going price because remember they extorted 10 million out of CEFC according to that uh, WhatsApp conversation that we got that we heard about last week. Zlochevsky claimed to have 17 recordings of conversations with Hunter. Two of them involved Joe, as well as many text messages and two documents that the informant understood were financial records of payments to Bidens. The informant said Zlochevsky made some comment that although Hunter Biden was stupid and his dog was smarter. Zlochevsky needed to keep Hunter Biden on Burisma's board so that everything will be okay. Hmm. I wonder how that works. The informant asked whether it was Hunter or Joe Biden who told Zlochevsky to keep Hunter, Hunter Biden on the board. Zlochevsky said they both did. So I guess that means he actually talked to Joe on the phone with Hunter. The informant wrote that Zlochevsky said he was somehow coerced into paying the Bidens to ensure Victor Shokun was fired. So, uh, I don't know, that just, that's starting to tie the pieces together. And in their final discussions, Lochevsky said he might have difficulty explaining suspicious wire transfers of his illicit payments to the Bidens. To work around this, Lochevsky said the funds were never sent directly to the big guy. The informant says he understood the big guy to be Joe Biden. And of course, the big guy equals Biden. It's the same in, with the uh, communications in China and Ukraine. When the informant asked for clarification, clarification, Zlochevsky said it would take them, meaning investigators, 10 years to find the records, meaning illicit payments to Joe Biden. Uh, maybe that's why the Bidens used over 20 shell companies. And, of course, it'll take them 10 years unless the Republicans take control of Congress and actually start looking. And then it's only going to take six months. Okay, so you know October 2020, the laptop turns up in the in the repair shop. Tony Bobolinsky tells what he knows. Facebook uh, testifies that they that they squashed the Hunter Biden laptop stuff. Uh, Biden supposedly wins the election. You know how I feel about that. Let's fast forward to 2023. March 17th, 2023, in their lawsuit against the repair shop owner, Hunter Biden's lawyers finally admit the laptop is his. The next day, Trump Biden is informed he will be indicted. See if you see a pattern here. June 8th, the FBI gives Congress the redacted 1023 form showing Joe and Hunter 
each took $5 million bribe from Burisma. The very next day, June 9th, special counsel Jack Smith indicts Trump in Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. July 26th, Hunter Biden goes to court, loses his sweetheart plea deal. July 27th, the next day, Jack Smith adds more charges for Trump in the Mar-a-Lago case. July 31st, that's Monday of this week, Devin Archer testifies to the Oversight Committee. The next day, Tuesday, August 1st, Jack Smith indicts Trump for January 6th. Do you see a pattern here? See anything at all? Let's hear Jack Smith. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I think this all starts to shed some light on this comment from Biden last November. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by, uh, if we, uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he, uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. You might want to listen to this show again. Go to headhoffman.net or get the uh, podcast on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts and listen to it again and, and absorb all that. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this week of the main event. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week.